Welcome to Living Life as a Visual Thinker. I'm Betty Fetter, and I want to share what it means to be a visual thinker. We'll find out how it affects us at school and on the job, and we'll share success stories from visual thinkers young and old. Hi, thanks for joining me today. You know, it's back to school season, and this is, you know, the yellow school buses are on the road and the kids are back in the classroom. And so now it's kind of like, what next? We did, you did so much to get your kids ready for school. You know, new backpack shoes, new, just all the supplies, all the mental uh, preparation. You got your school uh, schedules ready and the kids are back. So what's next, mom and dad? How do you stay involved How do you kind of watch what's happening in the classroom, you know, oversee the homework and all that? So there's like, what's the balance between kind of they're in school, kind of let it go. And where do you become like that crazy helicopter parent who's a little bit too in the middle of what's going on in school? So there's a balance between uh, letting it go and staying involved and If you have um, a visual learner, you really need to be paying attention to what's going on in school. But again, there's a balance in all this. So how are we going to do that? What I want to talk to you about today is I wanted to share um, my story. Mrs. Johnson, you know, this, she was my, for my oldest child, my, so my firstborn, her second grade teacher. And at our very first conference, she really changed the course of my entire attitude and kind of involvement I had with my kids' education in elementary and, you know, all the way through high school. So I just want to share a little bit about Mrs. Johnson today. You know, Mrs. Johnson was one of those teachers that, you know, one of those classic Everybody has the, you know, that teacher that was the greatest teacher and just had such good memories for them, but not just for the kids, but that the parents even feel that way too. In our family, three of our four kids had Mrs. Johnson for second grade. And there's always this, oh, Mrs. Johnson, there's such a a comfort, you know, they were challenged, they learned so much, they were safe and they were inspired, you know, like just those one of those great, great teachers who knows how to do that whole thing, you know. But along with what she did for the kids in the classroom, she was also really aware of the parents and and she was really took on kind of this additional element of kind of mentoring the parents and what it is to be a good parent or your parenting role in relation to school, you know, in in relation to education. So we all know those kinds of, hopefully you've had the opportunity to have that kind of teacher your child has. But, you know, in terms of what it was about her, you know, with her, the teacher qualities, you know, Mrs. Johnson is one of those kinds of teachers who she made everything richer. So, for example, if she was teaching a certain unit in math, she didn't just teach the unit. She brought in extras. She did it from a couple of different directions. She, you know, even things like, you know, there's chicks in the classroom and we're going to go on this kind of a field trip and we're going to connect 
this spelling unit to this kind of learning in these other subjects. It's just, she just made the whole thing whole. She taught also from kind of a multifaceted angle. You know, she didn't just teach language, you know, she really taught the whole child and different learning styles and, um, you know, very intuitively. You know, the other thing I appreciated about her is, you know, she was a very experienced teacher and was well aware. She had seen in her 20 or 30 years, education goes in cycles. And, you know, this, this season, we're teaching math this certain way. And after a few years, that's going to cycle out and we're going to teach math this other way. So she, and language, everything, you know, it's just how every kind of industry works. But she was aware of what those cycles were going to be. But she had enough experience under her belt and enough commitment that if the kind, if the current philosophy on one subject was missing a piece in her opinion, she kind of kept that piece that she knew kids needed. You know, for example, there was a time when the our school system was really into whole language, and it was something that was happening in California, and, and these other districts were starting to adopt it. And she saw it was missing the phonics component, and she honored what the school system wanted, but at the same time, she said, you know what? Kids still need phonics, and she found a way to still bring that into it. And so, again, she was one of those whole educators. Like, she just recognized how do children learn, what do they need, and she made it even more fun than that. So the other part that I also appreciated her was she was a parent herself. By the time my kids had her, she was a grandmother, and the value in that is she had been there and certainly never said been there, done that, but she had gone through that cycle of parenting herself and was able to calm, you know, us new moms, you know, it's our firstborn and, you know, they could be in second grade and we're pretty sure that a B on a spelling test was probably going to scar them for life or it was an indicator they would never get into a good school and you know, she knew how to be sensitive to that feeling of parents, but at the same time kind of put it in perspective. And so she was just such um, a resource and such a blessing. So, you know, our daughter was in first, second grade with her. First grade was great. She was a lovely, easygoing child. She did well at school. She was very likable and everything was going great. So, you know, it was conference time, our first conference of second grade, and I expected, you know, I'm going to go in and hear all the glowing remarks of how lovely my perfect little second grader is, but we had a very different conversation. Now, our daughter was firstborn, and I had been very, you know, like every first mom, you know, it's the first child who was ever put on the planet. And of course, my firstborn was more perfect than anything, just like everybody's is, everybody's firstborn is. But I had that other piece where I was so interested in how kids learn and process information that as an infant even, and a toddler, I had put a lot into how they learn, how they process, and had done, you know, all the little extra things with her. 
And then when it was time for preschool, I was very involved in Montessori education and how kids learn. And I had been involved in the schools and just in the philosophy in general. And I had done all these things at home and she had it at school. And I felt like I was doing all that because I was really preparing her as a learner. And all this information about what it takes um, to, you know, those learning skills. So I, I did all the extra and I crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's. And, you know, I had prepared this kid to be a great learner. So I prepared her and now I sent her to school. So here she is in school and it's going great for first grade. And now she's in second grade and I'm still being a really attentive mom. You know, she went to bed at a good time. We had a healthy breakfast. We had a packed a healthy lunch and made sure we did our homework. So I, and I'm involved in the school. So I, I'm still doing all those things that a good parent does. But at the same time, Mrs. Johnson helped me see, I was kind of handing her over to school. She's in school now. Okay. She's in school. Good. I did a good job getting her ready. And, you know, I'm at the B team now, but school's got it. So you can imagine at conference time, I was a tad prepared, um, surprised that conference wasn't really about Lori. She was great. It was about a course correction for mom. And the course correction was, you know, she said, you have a great kid and she's really likable. She does well at school. She fits into school. She's respectful of the teachers, of the parents, of the other kids. And she can float along in school. She might get lost because she's a nice, agreeable kid, whatever. But you have to stay more involved as a parent and you have to pay a lot more attention. And again, I was paying attention. I mean, her homework was always done. We did what we needed to do. But bottom line was, she was just kind of saying to me, don't just trust school. You know, you did all that work. You you got her in school. Don't just walk away from it. Don't think that school's got it. School's, you know, there's a magic to the school system that once they're in it, they're going to rise to the top. They're going to be challenged. They're going to be, all their best interests are going to be served. And no. And she was telling me, you're the parent. You're always the parent. Even when they're in school, you're the first line. You're the parent. And, you know, there, and I don't ever want to sound disrespectful of school because there's a lot of good things happening in our schools. There, and there was a lot of great things happening in Mrs. Johnson's classroom. So for her to tell me this, it was about kind of a bigger conversation, a bigger awareness. And as many good things that are happening in school, there's a lot of challenges in our school systems. You know, this is a big machine you know, there's a big machine and it's serving a lot of kids, a lot of parents. There's a lot of different interests at stake. And there's, it's just not a guarantee that your child's just going to go into that classroom and they're going to get everything they need. And it's going to work out to, they're going to learn the way they need to learn and all their needs will be served. It's just not that simple. 
And, you know, if you have a visual learner, there's even, it's more likely that those needs are not all going to be met and that you're going to be needing a few maybe resources or things that aren't happening. And, you know, even now, you know, this is a long time ago that my kids were in elementary school and schools changed the the amount of testing, the lack of break time, of recess time, the lack of play, of connection, of other kinds of learning is pretty extreme right now and has gone, you know, pretty far to the left side of the brain in these last 20 years or 16 years. And so it's even more important that we're really paying attention and being our child's advocate during this time. And so, you know, what did she want me to do? You know, what is it? What are we supposed to do as parents? Again, not being a helicopter and not being, you know, ridiculously demanding, but what is it? You know, how do we pay attention and really stand for our kids without being a roadblock or a hindrance? And the first thing I would say is this is never adversarial. You know, our schools are great. Teachers that give their time and just have such a heart for children, these are remarkable individuals. And there's also 20 kids in the classroom, 30 kids in the classroom. It's tough to differentiate learning or instruction for 30 people in a room. But also, it's times have changed for teachers. Districts have put some pretty... Um, incredible demands on the teachers. There's a lot of things they don't get to do the way they used to or the way they want to. And so, you know, some of it is working together to find out what your child needs and what else can happen for them. But again, it's always a partnership, never adversarial, but it's working for a solution or just for the information. You know, um, most schools or especially elementary teachers now, they send home newsletters, you know, we we often get once a week, we get a newsletter or a lot of them send emails. Read them. It's remarkable how many people are not even doing that. It's not just fill out the field trip form, read them. Know what's happening in the classroom. Know what your teacher might need. Know the kinds of subjects or things that they're addressing right now. Those are the kinds of things where you could do so much at home to supplement what's happening. Look at the papers that your child brings home. You know, if there's, if you're noticing they're struggling in an area, you do something at home that's going to help them kind of understand that better or clear that up or go back to school and find out what it is. I remember one time when one of my kids was in third grade, in the morning, they said something before we went to school like, yeah, boy, I kind of felt bad. I flunked that um, geography test yesterday. You flunked a geography test? You're in third grade? So here's my perfect little A student flunked a geography test. Then she said, well, everybody in the class flunked it. Well, school started at 8 o'clock, and you can bet at Five minutes to eight, 10 minutes to eight, I was in the hallway waiting to talk to that teacher. Perfectly happy, perfectly nice, but I said, uh, Miss Adams, what happened yesterday on the geography test? And so she said, oh, yeah, they all did really bad on that. Um, I think I took that test. It turned out, you know, she was a first grade 
It was her first year teaching. She was still feeling her way around testing and, you know, that kind of thing. And so we kind of talked where I understood it better. But I think even talking it out helped her figure out where she had to go for herself to kind of make her own course corrections. You know, I'm not sure what they were, but it was a positive conversation. But I don't want my child carrying that burden of having failed that. Let's find out where the problem was. And I also wouldn't want to chew them out because they didn't do anything wrong. So as a parent also, go to the events. Whatever your school is putting on, get there. Go to back to school night. Go to meet the teacher night. You know, even all the way up until high school, we went to, you know, they used to have those mock schedules and you take your kid's schedule and maybe you spent 10 minutes in each of their classes in middle school and high school. We still did that all the way up to, all the way through high school with all of our kids. Find out who their teacher is. Find out how they teach. Find out what the expectations are. Because it could be as simple as, okay, good, that teacher's a little bit tougher. Good, you kind of need that, you know, in your, you know, sophomore English class or whatever. But know what's going on at school so then you can support it at home or supplement it at home. Make sure you schedule conferences When the teachers offer them, take them. If you need to get in there sooner, you don't have to wait eight weeks or 12 weeks for a conference. You want to get in there sooner, schedule it. Ask the teacher to have time to make time to talk to you, and they will. Make sure you're doing their homework. Look at what they have for homework. It's not just, oh, honey, go do that. Go look and see what they need to do so you're aware. And again, if there are areas of struggle... There's things we can do to help that go better. If you have a visual learner, man, we got techniques for those practicing those vocabulary words or learning their sight words and practicing their numbers, you know, even writing papers. We've got so many tips on our blog, and we're going to do a lot of stories about those kinds of things. But ask questions. Ask questions of the teacher. Ask questions of your child. But it's just that overall... Whatever opportunities do come up or what you can think of, you're a partner with the school, and the school wants you as a partner. They have too much on their plate that they're going to do everything for your child and the 29 other kids in the room and meet all these expectations that the state and the administration and everybody else put on them. Be a partner with that teacher to get to know your child but to know how your child learns and and what's happening in the classroom. It benefits your child. It's going to benefit you. It's going to carry on year to year to year. But it's about establishing this attitude in yourself. I am the one responsible for how my child is learning. I'm the one who's kind of watching over this. I'm the one in charge of this partnership with the school. They're going to get a new teacher every year. They're always going to have you as their parent and as their advocate. So it's a positive, it's a relationship, but it's a mindset. You know, we're in this and we're going to succeed and I'm going to get whatever information I need and we're going to just do whatever it takes that our kids are going to do really well as learners and about feeling really good about who they are as learners and as human beings.
So I thank you, Mrs. Johnson, for the way that you really transformed my attitude and my husband's about our kids and being in the classroom. And I just want to pass that along, the Mrs. Johnson blessing for everyone, that there's great teachers out there, but as parents, we're still their parents. And um, take responsibility, kind of hold the reins, and partner with what's happening in the classroom. And, you know, come to my blog. I've got a free ebook for you in what you can do to make it a successful school year, some things you can do at home. And then also, BettyFetter.com is all about helping parents create success for their visual learners. And we're going to have stories, articles, how-tos, help, tips. We've got tons of stuff there and lots more to come. So please subscribe, you know, check in regularly and join the conversation. And we are going to make it a great, great year. So we'll talk soon. Enjoy your day. You've been listening to the podcast, Living Life as a Visual Thinker with Betty Fetter. For the notes and resources from today's podcast, visit BettyFetter.com. If you'd like a copy of my book, Being Visual, visit Amazon.com for a Kindle or paperback version.